Well, I hope you allow me grace today. I, I'm not a very traditional servant of the Lord, so I'm, I, I understand your pastor is a little bit of a walker, and so am I. So I just want to have fun in the Lord today and share with you what God's given me. Is that okay? Praise God. I understand that we're on a time. Uh, we have some time before us, so time limits we want to stay within. It's too bad I never learned how to tell time, though I can't figure out that clock. That was just a joke. That was just a joke. I'm going to ask if you'll turn with me to a familiar passage of Scripture. It's found in the book of Joshua, chapter 1. And then we're going to share with you from another passage in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 27. The first passage is Joshua chapter 1. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And when we get to Joshua chapter 1, we find these words. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law, all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And then, if very quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 27. We find these words coming from the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Paul says, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. I believe God's given me a word that primarily I want to, uh, is for this, this, this house, this church. Um, but specifically, I want to emphasize a word that I believe he's given to me for your pastor, and I'm glad that we're recording this because I wanted him to hear this particular verse that leapt out to me, and I believe this is for him specifically. It's verse 6 of Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And I also want to share this with you as well. I want to start at the end before I start at the beginning. And this is a word for life spring. 
Go into the land and take it. Contend for the souls of lost men and women, but go in the full power of the Holy Spirit. Ask God not only for the fruit of the Spirit, but for the gifts of the Spirit to flow in this church. Now, I've read two passages of Scripture, one in the Old Testament and one in the New. And those two passages are very similar in that both path, in the Bible lets us know that the New Testament is concealed in the Old, and the principles of the Old Testament are revealed in the New. And these two passages are also similar in other ways in that in each one of these passages, there is, number one, there is a, um, an identity that's been given to the people. The Lord says unto Joshua, these are the people of Israel. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, you are the body of Christ. There's an identity established. But then there's also what's called in these passages also a promised inheritance that each one has been given. The children of Israel were given the land. God says, go into the land. This land is yours. I'm giving you this land. In the church, we'll call it the First Corinthian church. The promise is, these gifts are for you. God has given gifts to the church. But also both churches, let's call one the church of Joshua, the other the church of the New Testament. In the church of Joshua, there's also a, cha a challenge. That is, go into the land and take it. It's yours, but you must go and take it. And in 1 Corinthians 12, God is saying through Paul, the gifts are yours, but you must desire them. You must earnestly ask for them, desire these gifts. So we see these in both passages of these, of these churches, let's say. But there's also a third part, a fourth part that, doesn't, that, that we need to focus on, and that is that there's also the challenge on will you go in and take it. By the way, the, path, the, meth, the title of this message is Stepping into Your Inheritance. Stepping into Your Inheritance. So both churches, the church of Joshua and the church of the New Testament here, both have a challenge to step into what has been promised them, to seize what God has been given them. Both of them are given this challenge to go for the more. How many of you know that God always has more for us? God also believes in promotion. He also believes in upgrades. I mean, we, those of us who are computer savvy or tech savvy, there's always an upgrade. There's always a new version of something else. And the, so it is in God. God is always upgrading his people and raising the bar and encouraging us to go higher in him and, and receive more from him if we want. And he'll, he's always upgrading and raising the bar. And that's what he's doing in this passage. He's encouraging for the more. He says, I have more for you, but I want you to want the more. But oftentimes what happens is, just as we find in the scriptures, and we'll share in a moment, there is a, there is a hesitancy to embrace the more. And the more that God is, is offering the church and asking the church to step into is more of the Holy Spirit. Someone say Holy Spirit. God wants the church to embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit, more of the gift, the inheritance that he has for us. The Holy Spirit is our inheritance. Amen. And God wants us to embrace him and, and receive more of him. But oftentimes there's a little bit of a challenge and sometimes a resistance and sometimes a fear. There's a movie not too long ago called The Runaway Bride, produced in 1999. Some of you may have saw that film. It was a film produced in which Richard Gere was playing a part of a, of a journalist and Julia Roberts was playing the part of a woman named Maggie Carpenter. And Maggie was not very well known. She was part of a little small town USA situation. But she became famous because she became famous for running away from all of her weddings. She was engaged three times, and each time she would get to the altar, she would come up the aisle, she would all of a sudden turn to the left or to the right, and she would run out of the church. And so she became known as the runaway 
bride. And as I thought about this, I thought about how similar it is to the 21st century church in many instances, in that many times God is offering us something and we oftentimes run away. The Bride of Christ is very similar to this movie clip analogy I'm sharing with you in that, number one, we are very beautiful. This was a beautiful woman. And, of course, in the body of Christ, we are beautiful to Jesus. We are so stunning in his eyes. But also in this film, this bride wanted a relationship, obviously, because she continued to get engaged. She wanted a relationship, but she was just struggling with the commitment part. And, of course, we as the body of Christ, we want relationship with the Lord. God wants us to have relationship with us. That's why he sent his son. That's why he's offering us. He gives us his spirit. He wants relationship with us. But also in this film, this bride, the reason why she ran away is because she did not know her identity. She did not know who she was. Therefore, she, had, she couldn't offer anything because she didn't know who she was. And I've discovered even sometimes in the body of Christ, we struggle with our own identity. And I think that contributes to why sometimes we, we run away from the gift of embracing the Holy Spirit as God wants us to. Is this making sense to anyone? So I believe there are several parallels here. In the body of Christ, there's something called cessationism, and that's a, a belief that God doesn't do the stuff he used to do in the Old Testament, or the New Testament, rather. We see in the book of Acts the, gifts, the, the, the Spirit of God moving, the gifts of the Spirit flowing, things happening, miracles happening, people being healed, all types of wonderful things happening. And somehow someone has taught the belief that, well, God did that then, but he doesn't do that now. But I thought how tragic a thought it is because what general would reduce his troops in a time of war? How tragic are we for the United States Army to say we're going to reduce our troops to 50% when we have such terrorism and warfare going on in our world? Well, God, who's much smarter than man, would never reduce his troops. He would never take away weapons from us when we need them the most in the 21st century. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit and he says, my sons and daughters, this is something you're going to need and you're going to need it in fullness because the enemy has stepped up the attack. Therefore, you need more weaponry in order to combat that attack. And so, but there are many who say, well, God doesn't do that stuff anymore. And so I think that contributes to this runaway bride syndrome where we oftentimes run because we're thinking, well, God doesn't do that anymore. So this is kind of strange. The Holy Spirit, this is kind of strange. But the Bible lets us know that God has given us the Holy Spirit, our wonderful gift, as a weapon, as an instrument to use in many other ways against the enemy. So I want to talk a little bit about that before I, I take my seat. He is indeed our inheritance. And I want to talk a little bit about why sometimes in the body of Christ, the people of God run from the groom, Jesus, and what he has to offer. A couple things I want to share with you. One of the reasons why I believe people run is because we don't understand um, who we are in Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, that we are the body of Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Someone say Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You, are, you belong to Christ. We are not our own. We belong to him. And when we understand that we were meant to house the presence of God, then that helps us understand that it's a natural thing to embrace the Holy Spirit because God made us for, for relationship. He made us to house the Holy Spirit. We are, we are his and he is ours. Another reason why people, I believe, run from the presence of God or run from embracing the fullness of the Holy Spirit is because I think we sometimes mistake his identity. You know, we sing this hymn, and many of you have sung it. I've sung it my whole life. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Hi, Amber. Good to see you. 
God is indeed three persons, and sometimes, but each person can have a different manifestation. What do you mean by that? Well, let's take God in the Old Testament, how he manifests himself to Israel. There's a passage where he manifested himself to Jonah and told Jonah, I want you to go and preach to Nineveh. And Jonah saw God as a God of wrath, but until he had him preach to Nineveh and then showed compassion on the Ninevites, Jonah then discovered he's also a God of compassion, mistaken identity. Israel thought God was only a God who gave them victory. Our God is great. He's going to give us victory. But then until God let them be defeated by the Babylonians and taken to captivity, then they learned he was also a God who will let you lose in order to prove a point and teach you a lesson. Mistaken identity. Jesus came as a baby in a manger when many were thought thinking he should come in on a horse with a sword drawn. His disciples even. He was walking on the water. They thought he was a ghost until he said, it is I. And then they realized it was the Lord. After his resurrection, Mary, even Mary thought, saw him in the garden, but she thought he was the gardener until he said, Mary, it is I. These are just examples of how sometimes we mistake the manifestations of God and thinking he's one way, but not giving him room to come in another way. Even the Holy Spirit, as we talk about him, Jesus told the disciples, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I imagine the disciples were like, okay, that's cool, Jesus, got that. Because mm -hmm. they had been walking with Jesus for three years, being mentored, being learning, watched how he taught, how he healed, how he dealt with the Pharisees, how he maintained himself in the midst of all these things going on. And when he says, you shouldn't, you're going to receive power, they probably thought, okay, mm -hmm, that's good, okay, power, we got that. But they never, I don't think they, they expected Pentecost to come and for him to come the way he did. Because when the power of the Spirit of God came, and the Bible says they began to speak in different tongues, a lot of people, if I can use this word, got really scared. And they said, these guys are drunk. Until Peter stood up and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This was that was prophet, prophesied by the prophet Joel. This is God. Someone say, this is God. This is Jesus manifesting in a different way. And he had to help the people understand, this is the Lord. This is what was promised in the Old Testament. Remember, what's in the Old Testament is revealed in the New. And the verse is true as well. So sometimes we, are get, we, we, are, we get confused by the man, way the Lord manifests. And that can be a reason why sometimes we run and say, okay, this is strange. Another reason why we run is sometimes we, we're afraid of making a mistake. There are many of you here who are led by the Spirit of God. Hopefully all of us are, but the Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. And I know for myself there have been times when I've started to be led by the Spirit of God, I was afraid of making a mistake, afraid of starting in the flesh, starting in the Spirit, but ending up in the flesh. And that's another reason why sometimes we run from too much of the Holy Spirit. We like to kind of keep control and say, okay, this is, I'm, I'm not used to this realm. Sometimes we run because we've been hurt. Now, I grew up Baptist. Love my Baptist upbringing. Taught me protocol. Taught me the word. Taught me, taught me order. Taught me discipline. I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I remember when I was a Baptist, I used to be afraid of the Holy Spirit, especially people who were spirit-filled because I thought they were weird. And I was hurt by them because many of them thought were elitist. They acted like they were so much better than people who weren't, quote-unquote, filled with the Spirit. And as a result, I resisted the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't so much I was resisting the Holy Spirit, I was resisting them. I was resist resisting that attitude and that elitist perspective. And sometimes people are like that, are, are running because they've been hurt. 
But the way God healed me was he actually led me to a relationship with the man of God who's now with the Lord, who mentored me in what it means to be spirit-filled and what it means to love the Lord and what it means to be humble. How many of you know that this, being led by the Spirit has nothing to do with pride? Because the Bible says God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Another reason why I believe we sometimes run from embracing the Holy Spirit in fullness is because we like to be in control. Nobody here, I mean, you might know somebody, but nobody here, but you might know somebody who likes to be in control. And I've been in places in worship, in places, Mary and I have had the chance to travel many places in the nation, and oftentimes we run across the same things where people wanted to control, okay, we're only going to worship for this long, these are the only songs we're going to sing, and, and we're going to end the service at this time. I've been in places where the Spirit of God is beginning to move, and the end of the service, and I'm thinking, why did you do that? Well, we have to go. It's time for the next thing. And sometimes I think we run because we want to be in control, but how many of you know that you really can't control the Spirit of God? I think sometimes as believers, we sometimes like our runaway bride syndrome. We get close to the altar when God begins to woo us deeper into him, and we run. We turn away and say, no, that's enough. Too much. But the Father says, don't run. Look at somebody and say, don't run. It's natural to embrace the gift, the inheritance that the Father has given us, and that is the Holy Spirit. If I were in the pool right now, I'd tell you, come on in, the water's fine. Because in the presence of the Lord, there is the fullness of joy. So very quickly here, why, why do we need more of the Holy Spirit? What's the point? Why do we need more of the Holy Spirit? We have the Holy Spirit if we've given our life to Christ. He dwells within us. But why do we need more of the Holy Spirit? And the answer is very simple, greater capacity. Greater capacity. We need more of the Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to do a little illustration here. I need um, five people. Can I get five volunteers? There's five people. Okay. Five people. Okay. Five, okay. All right. Okay, I'm going to sing, and you guys are going to back me up. Ready? Okay. Um, okay, so spirit-filled living, there's three aspects of spirit-filled living. The first is Christian experience. The second has to do with being filled with the Spirit, and the third has to do with capacity. Now, Mike, I'm going to ask you if you'd stand on the end. I'm going to kind of rank you by size and height, so, so you're... You're next, but just slide down now. So if you, if you come here right by Mike, and then you come all the way down. But I want you guys to be centered as much as you can, though. I mean, okay. So, actually, if you two would switch, Mike, you stay there. Okay. Well, you, you're okay. You're okay. <laughs> now, as we talk about what it means to have capacity in the Holy Spirit. Let's say that you are all containers, okay, um, and you represent as containers Christian experience. Now, using measurements, let's say that you are, you're a ounce, you're a pint, you're a cup, you're a pint, you're a quart, and you're a gallon, okay? Now, let's say that I fill you with oil, you're all filled with oil. Now, my question is, they're all filled, they're all filled, correct? 
But are they all filled to the same capacity? No. Because even though, let's say Mike is an ounce, he's filled up to the capacity of an ounce, and my friend here is filled up to the capacity of a gallon. They're all filled but to different capacities. When we talk about being, having more of the Holy Spirit, we're saying the ultimate goal is saying, God, we want a gallon. We want as much of you as we can have. And what happens is as we stay in the Word, we experience the Word, which is Christian experience, and we embrace the Holy Spirit, God, by His grace, moves us from an ounce to a cup to a pint to a quart to a gallon and onward. Now, I don't know about you. I don't just want to stop at a gallon. I want a tractor trailer, really. But God moves us from glory to glory to glory to glory as we experience the word and as we embrace the Holy Spirit. He, he moves us to more in which we have more capacity for him and we're able to do more. Now, an ounce is great, but can an ounce do what a gallon can do? Let's say if there was just gasoline, you could, still get, you could still drive a vehicle on an ounce of gas, but you can't go as far as you can with a gallon. If you are creating some type of explosion, you'll get a smaller explosion with an ounce. You'll get a greater one with a gallon. So I think you see the point. The capacity in God is greater, and that's where God is taking us to so that we're able to do more for him, have more power for him, have more staying power, have more endurance for him. Let's give you guys a warm applause. Thank you. You can be seated. So we need more of the Spirit of God so that we have more capacity for him. We're able to do more for him. We're able to move, go further in him. We're able to endure and do more for the Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, quench not the Holy Spirit, or rather it says, um, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Because God wants us to have more capacity and more, more to be able to do more in him and for him. Now, when we talk about the capacity, why? We know we need more capacity, but what does the capacity, having greater capacity, do for the church? Well, the, having more of the Holy Spirit does, enhances the church's functions in five ways. Okay? Number one, it enhances our functions through our worship. Okay? Our worship. The Bible says in John 4 and 24 that they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to influence our worship and have control of our worship, that he leads us to sincere truth. He leads us to sincere worship. God is like anyone else, not like anyone else, but God wants sincere worship. If you give somebody a gift, you want to make sure that, that gift hasn't been opened already and used. You want to make sure, they want to make sure that, that gift is brand new, price tag is on it, it's never been used before. And that's how it is with worship. God wants fresh worship. He doesn't want something recycled or re-gifted. He wants sincere worship, and the Holy Spirit leads us to a place of sincere worship. I mean, it's hard to worship God when you're angry with somebody. Because the spirit of truth leads us to truth. It's hard to worship God with anything in your heart and your life. Really worship him where he won't come and gently challenge you because that's what the spirit of truth does. So we want spirit-filled worship where the spirit of God can challenge us and we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. What else does the Holy Spirit enhance? He enhances the word. Revelation comes by the word. The Apostle Paul lets us know in Ephesians chapter 3 that by the spirit of God, he understood that the Gentiles, that's you and I, would be fellow heirs of the gospel. We would become partakers of the kingdom with our, with our friends, the Jews, who would accept Christ. But that only came by revelation by the Spirit. Paul lets us know that. And also, the Spirit of God, having greater capacity, increases our witness. Someone say witness. The Bible says in, in Acts chapter 4, 
The apostles were bold when the Spirit of God came upon them. And they were standing against the Sanhedrin council, those religious authorities who had the power to put them in jail, who had the power to kill them. But these unlearned men, these, these fishermen, these, these really working class men stood up boldly in the face of death and says, we're not going to stop preaching the gospel. We're going to heal in the name of the Lord. As a matter of fact, this man who was healed, he was not healed by our, by our power. He was healed by the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. That boldness only comes by the Spirit of God. And there are many of you here today, you need some boldness in your life. You need God to inject you with a fresh sense of boldness, even to witness and share the Word of God. That comes by the Spirit of God. How many of you know that he'll give, you if you, give it to you if you ask him? That boldness comes by the Spirit of God. What else does the Holy Spirit enhance in our lives? Well, he enhances word, he enhances worship, he enhances witness, but he also enhances our warfare. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, that the weapons, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What are our, our weapons? The Spirit of God. Well, he, he enhances it, but our knowledge of the Word, our boldness, the fruit of the Spirit, but also the gifts of the Spirit. All these are weapons that the Spirit of God enhances and helps us to war, wage a greater warfare, to be more effective for God against the enemy. You know, we live in a day and age now when truth is being challenged more than it's ever been before. Where if you name the name of Jesus, you, it can cost you some things. I remember one time I worked at a certain place, and I won't name it because you'll know it if I told you. And uh, they asked me to, um, they knew I was a Christian. Um, and there were other Christians there, and, and they asked me to pray at an event that was being held. And it was during a black history event. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll say the prayer. And as soon as I said I'm going to say the prayer, the enemy began to say, okay, when you pray, don't say in Jesus' name. Just pray one of those general, politically correct, non-offending prayers. So I got closer to the event, got closer to the event, and of course I found myself in the room, and I was on the, the, platform, I was on the agenda to pray, and, and of course that voice came again, when you pray, don't say in Jesus' name. Just say something really warm and fuzzy that will keep everybody guessing. Well, I got up there, and I, and I, I prayed, and at the end of my prayer, I ended it like this. I ended it, I said, and I submit this prayer in the name of the one who changed my life, Jesus Christ. And you could have heard a pin drop. And everyone was like, he said Jesus. But God had given me boldness to say, I'm not going to relegate my faith to a backroom experience. I'm not going to deny my Lord, even in the presence of people who probably won't invite me to their, 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 their little special events, and I probably might miss some promotions, which I did. But I'm not going to deny my Lord for anybody. And after I did that, some Christians came up to me Nicodemusly. You know how Nicodemus came to Jesus at night? He didn't want to come in the day. He came at night, so nobody would know. Some Christians came to me Nicodemusly and said, I'm so glad you said it in Jesus' name. And my thoughts are, why won't you say it? But the Spirit of God will give you that type of boldness. And friends, we need that right now in the marketplace. We need that right now in our neighborhoods. We need that right now, not that you go to work to, be able to, to, to preach to people, but the way you conduct yourself. Wherever you go, you carry the presence of God everywhere. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 14, Paul says that we carry the fragrance, the aroma of Christ. To those who are perishing, he is a stench. But to those who are heirs to, the, to, the, to salvation, he is the aroma, the wonderful aroma of salvation. So God wants us to carry that everywhere. 
He also enhances our oneness, W-O-N-ness, not O-N-E-ness, but our W-O-N-ness. Because God wants the body of Christ to work together to win battles in a corporate way. And we need the Spirit of God to do that. There's so many, often, I, some, one of the things that grieves me is many places I've gone, not just in Anchorage, but other places where the tur- churches are not completely united. They acknowledge each other, but they don't fellowship together. And when a battle comes that takes all of the churches to speak to it, only 25% speak or maybe 10% speak. And the battle's not won because all of the army hasn't come together. But how many of you know that the Lord wants his body to be together united? And the Spirit of God brings us together if we will allow him to. Amen? Which is why I'm glad I'm here at LifeSpring today because at City Church we believe that in teamwork in the body of Christ. If, you, if we need it, you have it. Or if you, have, you need it, we have it. We'll share it because it's all about the kingdom. Amen? It's all about the kingdom of God, and so we're excited about that. So this is what God was telling the children of Israel in Joshua. He was telling them, I have an inheritance for you. It's the land. Will you go in and take it? And God is saying even to LifeSpring, I have an inheritance for you. There's more for you if you want it, if you're willing to embrace it, if you're willing to go into it. But what I want to encourage you before I take my seat is I want to encourage you to avoid the mistakes of past generations. Avoid the mistake of past generations. In Joshua chapter 1, the Lord said to Joshua, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. That old season's over. He, Moses is gone. He had his time. I used him. He's mighty. He's laid, some, he's laid the foundation, but he's gone now. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, and be careful to do according to the law all that he commanded you. He says, do not turn from it to the right or to the left. God was saying, I want you to go into the land now. It's, I want you to go and take the more. Moses didn't get what, I, get, the, get what I'm giving to you, offering to you. So you have the opportunity to have what he couldn't have. And you know what God will do? I've discovered about God. The Lord will not force a generation to, to embrace the more. What he'll do is he'll skip over you and find another generation that will. He's patient enough, and he can wait. He's He's, he's eternal. He'd rather not, but what he will do is if we say, no, I don't want it, he'll find somebody else who will, and he'll use them to get the more. And God was giving this young church, this what I call this Joshua church, the opportunity to commit to more, in this case, the land of Palestine, the land of Canaan, the promised land, to go where the previous generations failed to go, to not turn to the right or to the left, but to go straight into what God had, had, had for them, to go straight into the realm of blessing that God had for them. He was calling them to be a transitional generation, not a traditional generation. And I believe that that exists here at LifeSpring, that God is giving you the opportunity. God has positioned you to become a transitional generation, a transitional church, and not a traditional church. I believe God has given you a man and a woman of God, as I shared at the beginning of this message, who will lead you into that new realm of blessing that will cause you to inherit this new realm of knowing the Holy Spirit. How many know that God has more for you? God has more for you, and it is by His Spirit. Lifespring, you have the opportunity to go. This church is only six years old, your pastor will share with me. Six years. And you have the opportunity to go where many churches have not gone before. You have the opportunity. God has positioned you to go into a realm of his spirit, where many churches fear to go. You have the opportunity to, to be a life spring. A life spring is really a, a spring or a source of life. You have the opportunity to be a realm where people walk here and they experience the miracles of God. 
I've been in places, I've gone to churches where I know that it's a life spring because I've, Mary, we, Mary and I have gone to places where you walk on the campus and you fear the presence of God. I've been in places where I walk in the church and I start weeping and I'm already saved. I've been saved, serving Jesus all my life, but I feel like I want to get saved again because the presence of God is so full, so thick in that place. Because someone there has said, you know what, we're going to open the door to the Holy Spirit and allow him to have full access to us. Wouldn't that be awesome? How many of you want that? I know I do. And I believe God has positioned you in that way. True life is in the Holy Spirit. True life is in the Holy Spirit. And God has given you the opportunity, really every church, the opportunity not to just to be a church, but to be a spirit-oriented church. Zechariah 4 and 6, the Lord said, it's not by power nor, and it's not by might, but it's by my spirit that victories are won. Acts 17 and 28, the Apostle Paul said it well. In him we live and move and we have our being. Like a fish in water, we need the Spirit of God to be in, to live and move and have our being. A place of refreshing. A place of renewal. Now, the question that God is asking is the same question I believe he's asking, he asked Israel. Will you go into the land? Will you embrace what I have for you? I'm going to ask you to stand, and I think I'm going to end here. And would you play just a moment, because I want to pray. I want to pray a blessing over this house. Um, because one of the things that I have discovered is that we are in a real war. Not just in the natural realm. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about in the spiritual sense. I talked to your pastor when he first was led to establish this ministry. He told me about the spiritual battles he went through that he had never faced before until he said yes to this work. And he caught the attention of the forces of darkness which began to attack. And, and, and that happens whenever you start saying yes to God. Now, this is not to say, well, where people would say, well, I don't want to say yes to God because I don't want anything bad to happen. The enemy is going to attack anyway. <laughs> but what you need is a greater arsenal against the forces of darkness. Some of you here, even in your lives, you're, you're saying, well, I'm not in ministry. I'm not, I'm not a preacher. I'm not doing anything. I'm not a pastor. But because you name the name of Jesus Christ... You're on the enemy's hit list. And there are even some here where you've been getting hit, and you're like, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? And it's because God, not that God's doing it, but he's given you the opportunity to tap into a greater realm of power where you realize that the enemy is under your feet and you are over him, that you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are a daughter of the Most High God. You are a son of the Most High God. You are not to be pushed around. In fact, that is why, that is why, that is why the Lord allowed the enemy to be cast down into the earth. Some people say, well, if God's so smart, why did he let the devil, why did he cast them out of heaven and let him come down to the earth? And the answer is very simple, to give his children something to spar with. Boxers need something to spar with before they get to the real fight. Birds of prey will pick up something and alive and throw it into the nest of their little ones to eat in practice for what they will one day do. 
And the enemy is nothing more than practice for us. And God wants us to understand that we are in authority over him. And he wants the church to rise to her identity to understand that we, are, we reign in the earth under Jesus. We are not to be defeated. We are to defeat. We are not the prey. We should be the predator against the forces of darkness to crush satanic opposition wherever it is, to be truth bearers, to speak the truth, and to declare that blessing over our children and to declare that our neighborhoods will be blessed and to take authority in every realm of influence. So this is what I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to give an altar call. And if you're in that place where you want more, I believe God is going to, I believe that word is for your, your, your shepherd, that he's going to, Lord's going to use him to lead this church into a new inheritance in the spirit of God. But if you're in that place and you're saying, I want that, you don't have to. There's no, there's no condemnation. But if you're in that place where you say the law of the spirit of life, I want that because I don't want to be under the law of sin and death. I'm going to ask you to come forward and just stand here. And I'm just going to pray. We'll end the service this way. I want to pray a prayer over this house and over you. That if you're saying, Lord, I want more of your presence, your spirit, I want that inheritance that you have for me. I want more than an ounce. I want a gallon and beyond. I want more of your presence. I don't want this struggle to be the way it's been. It's such a struggle, and I know it's because I don't have enough. I need more. As we come to God, we give him ourselves. We're saying, Lord, I'm exchanging something for you. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to be that bride that runs, but I'm bringing you myself. I'm bringing you myself so that you can give me more of you.